Repeat after me. I will be sucker free. You've entered the listening You've zone. Entered the listening zone. Sucker free Sunday podcast with Cloudy J and Devoya. Welcome, y'all, to another edition of Sucker Free Sunday. Got five on it. The podcast that explores storytelling through music, listen, conversation. I am your host, Roya Mayo, and this week our guest is my dear friend, Nikiko Masamoto, farmer, memory keeper, artist, friend, and baker. Um, and before we get started, Miss Nikiko, what I'd like to do is do a little check in with you. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the feelings will. Um, if not, I can pull one up and you can kind of browse it over. But I was hoping that you could maybe share at least um, three feelings that you're feeling right now. Uh, so that can kind of help lead our process. And then we'll have you do a little intro of your own if, if you'd like to do that. And then we're going to get to it. Is that cool? I'm, I'm so happy. Thank awesome. you, Devoya. I'm so, so <laughs> excited. I love this invitation. Um, the feelings wheels are awesome. <laughs> I knew you would approve. Absolutely. Um, three feelings. I am feeling excited. I am feeling the power. Well, this is not one word. I'm, feel, I'm feeling generous. Go ahead, say it. I'm feeling generous. And I'm also feeling... Right now, I'm feeling hopeful. Thank you so much. I like this. this is how, how about you? Um, I feel very centered this evening. Um, I feel focused. And I feel excited um, just about getting to be in this space with you this evening. So I'm also in a, in a good place. So thank you for asking. Where of course. You? So I introduced you by taking a little bit from your, um, your signature, your email signature, which I love, but I added two other things, um, to make it five because, you know, that's what we do here. It's like a free Sunday, got five on it because you also chose a five song playlist. And so throughout that playlist, I'm going to ask some things about these five, um, names that we given who you are this by no means is the full breadth of who you are but we're going to tap into it a little bit while we tap it. into this playlist which is a five song playlist on connections to the ancestors which we've not had this yet can you tell the listeners a little bit about what went into thinking about what your connection to the ancestors is and then how you went about like collecting all these gems we're going to talk about this evening. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I am so thrilled to be part of this five on it episode. Yes. Um, I'm like, uh, 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 I love this, this concept. Devoya, you have really in, invited into my life the power of curation on a whole new level. Well, all right. Yeah, what it means to... And I think what you remind me all the time is not only are we cultural receivers, 
we receive, you know, from our teachers, from our elders, from our communities, from children in our lives. We receive culture, we receive information, but we also get to be authors, right? We, we get to wield our voices, our expression to, to curate, to also give meaning. And so I, 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 when, when I was listening to um, some of the episodes, I was like, I know what playlist I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. You already have five on it. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, I mean, five, it's always hard to pick just five. Well, um, of course. But I, yes, I, 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 in so much of my work creatively, mm -hmm. in my day-to-day -day work on our farm, in my own navigation of the identities that are most important to me, ancestors keep surfacing, keep surfacing, keep surfacing. And so I knew... There have been these moments of like whispers in my life to invite me to draw my ancestors closer. And so this is why I wanted to spend some time like thinking about songs that that literally um, embody for me connection with the ancestor. Oh, this is gonna be great. I can't wait to, uh, to get into it. So I invite you to say the correct uh, pronunciation of your first track, which I believe is performed by the Mountain View Buddhist Temple. Um, and I'm going to play a little bit of it, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, so this song is Obon no Uta. And the version of it that I could find was um, of an Obon practice. Obon is the summer festival where we, as Nike, as Japanese American people, we invite our ancestors home to dance with us. Oh, that makes so, so much sense. This video makes so much sense to me. Okay. Exactly. So, um, so, so the, the, I actually don't know the name of the original singer of this version, but um, the, I, I like the, the track that I sent you um, because it has some of the dancing in it. Okay, let's, let's get into it. Um, and the track title is Odari? So Obon Odori is like the formal name of the the summertime festival. Okay. Yeah, we, we call it like Obon for short or, or Bon sometimes. Bon dancing, yes. Obon. Um, and so the song title is Obon no Uta. So that was track one, and um, I did do a little research because I've been to that fest the festival that we have here in uh, Fresno in downtown um, in Chinatown, and the Japanese Buddhist custom is to honor the spirits of one of one's ancestors. So you literally honor the spirits of your ancestors with this playlist. Of course you did, and um, <laughs> the mic issues didn't make that transition as beautifully as it should but i do um i i just do i love the fact that you're 
um, already putting this together in, in, such a, in such a way that you can even share it with your family and explain um, what you're doing as well. This is just perfect. So you mentioned um, that you um, are from a Japanese American family. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that uh, as well as maybe walk us through um, an average day as Nikiko the farmer, since that's one of the identities we have listed for you. And feel free, there are other various portions of yourself that we want to um, be able to share if that's what you'd like to share. So an average day um, for you after you've called in the ancestors. Oh, I love this question. Oh, so, so much to share. Um, so I get to work and touch the same soil that my great grandparents worked as well here in the Central Valley, just south of Fresno between Delray and Fowler. And so I, I, I feel the ancestors every day. I, I, I often refer to some of our orchards and our vineyards as cathedrals of living memory. Wow. Because I literally, I mean, we, we literally are tending to the same plants, right? The same plants. And part of my entry into farming was through, you could say a, a calling of ancestors. Mm -hmm. um, I went away for college and had no plans of coming back to the valley at all. But then I realized through through study, through through getting to be in uh, a, a, an amazing learning environment to talk about power, to talk about histories of forgotten peoples, I realized that the place I grew up in was this tremendous place of resistance, of claiming belonging. And so that's that's how I found my way home. Wow. Literally found what you were looking for was already within you. And I do understand that sometimes we do have to leave in order to find that. And some people don't have the luxury of ever even finding that. And yep. so I just commend you on the work you got to put in in order to, to figure that out and that you recognize that. And you came back to the Central Valley. Yes, I did. Yes, yes. I did. So, so now I get to live out wild, wild ways of being, right? In, right. in this place as a Yonsei. So Yonsei is like one of my core identities. And that translates to fourth generation Japanese American. And so, so this first, this first song not only is like literally part of our calling of ancestors, but it also, I, I, it's so fascinating because my relationship with that song has changed as I've aged. Uh -huh. So because of the history of racism in our my family's history, my dad, who's Sansei, third generation, um, was born right after the war, uh, World War II. And my family was incarcerated in the desert in Arizona. Um, and after, um, finally being released from camp that we came back to the Central Valley. We were here before World War II and then after. And my Jichan, my grandfather, he started this farm in 1948. And as part of that uh, reckoning with trauma and trying to figure out how to survive, 
my bilingual grandparents, Jichan and Bachan, they did not pass on Japanese to my dad's generation. And that's very common in a lot of our families, not all, but a, a lot of our families, because there was so much shame attached to um, it. I, I interpret it as it was a survival mechanism. Right. They didn't want their children to face what they faced. So as a result, these songs, like the song like Obon no Uta, has this really interesting experience for me because I feel at home in that song. Even though I don't speak Japanese. And so I don't know what the lyrics say, but I know the dance movements. And so, in a, such a fascinating way, like thinking about our community in, as a dias diaspora, like part of the diaspora. Right. Um, when I was watching the closing ceremonies of the um, Olympic Games in Tokyo, they performed this song, a group of Japanese, yes, singers and dancers. <laughs> and I like, like jumped up at the television. I was like, oh my gosh, I know this. And, and so we're, we're all dancing. And that's like speaks to this like really beautiful survival of culture as people move. Mm -hmm. And also like the tenuousness, right? Like, like the fact that I don't speak Japanese means that there is something lost, but it's not completely lost. Right. And so that's why I wanted to start with that song. That's an amazing story. I'm so glad that you shared that with us and even um, adding the component of representation and and seeing that and hearing those familiar sounds does make me feel like even though you don't physically speak the language, you do speak the language because we know uh, body movement is its own language as well. And so you're able to still be part of this amazing legacy that your ancestors um, provided for you and you recognize that in the ways that are you know um, most common now and and easier to um, you know access and so I just I commend you for that and yeah that's awesome you uh, start and so we've addressed the farming we've addressed ancestry which we will come back to those things um, again but I feel like um, if I'm not mistaken, you play a traditional Japanese instrument that's often also performed in the, in the Obon um, festivals. Would you share a little bit about what that entails? Yes. Oh my gosh, Shibuya. Yes. Um, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're in the farm so long, you probably forget all the things you can do. Right, right. Um, in, in my youth, I was nine years old when I started playing the Japanese taiko drums. Are you serious? Yes. So huge. Yes, yes. I, the, the, the drums, I mean, historically were made out of huge tree stumps. And in modern times, you know, we converted wine barrels into okay. drums. Um, and so as a, you know, a nine-year-old girl, <laughs> like very short girl, I was able, I joined a group, Fresno Gumio Taiko was my first group, which they're still in existence. They still play at a okay. festival. Oh my God. So every, I think it was, I think practice was Monday night. Every Monday night, I was in Chinatown at the Fresno Buddhist church. Wow. Learning how to wield power yes and yes literally I, yes i played for about 10 years wow um and it was 
it was great. Wow. And I, and I love that this uh, theme of um, learning from our past continues and all the variations. And um, this is one such example. Uh, your second track is a standard, which I didn't recognize until I did a little research. And it's from, um, uh, it's a 1937 popular song with music by George and Ira Gershwin. Um, it was introduced by Fred Astaire in the 1937 film, Shall We Dance? And it gained huge, huge success. Several folks have recorded this um, particular track but you chose the version by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong, and it's They Can't Take That Away From Us. Would you um, like to share what this beautiful um, song for us today? Absolutely. So there's there's so many ways into the song. On Just on a lyrical level, they can't take that away from me. To me, it, the song itself is all about memory. Mm. It's, it's, when it's sung in a duet, it, it definitely makes it sound like a love song. And I, d I definitely think that's part of it. But I also think there's something um, about memory in thinking about loss that mm. seems to be, I mean, they can't take that away from me. That, the chorus makes me think about, oh, okay, what, what are the things that try to take away our memory of the people we love. Right. So, so that on a lyric level, I, I love the song, but on a, a, a ancestral familial level, I had the joy of getting to live with my Dijon and Bachan after college. I came back and lived with them for two years. And my Dijon, my grandfather, he lost his ability to speak when I was about 12 years old. So I never got to ask him a lot of questions and receive verbal answers about our family, about his life. So when I was living here, we still would communicate in laughter and, and body language and, and all the joys of being in, in each other's company. But one night, I remember hearing someone's voice. My bachan, my grandmother, she was already asleep, so I knew it wasn't her. And I was like, what, what is going on? Whose voice is that? And it was Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. My jichan had turned on the radio to go to sleep. And this was the song. You're the best storyteller. Well, I, I, I just, it's, I'm a, I'm just a vessel. Like this happened. So it, it was like my Jichan, you know, reminding me that I could remember things about him that no one could ever take away. Right. And then on top of this, oh my goodness, Devoya, my Bachan as a 20 year old, 20 something year old, right after camp. She lived for a little while with her sister in Los Angeles. So remind you, this is like right after World War II. I mean, my, my Bachan experienced getting spit on for being Japanese. You know, th this is like the height of open hostility towards so many of our communities, right? Not, not just Japanese Americans, Mexican Americans, African Americans. I mean, this is the late 40s. Um, 
And my Bachan, when I asked her before she passed away last year about what she remembered about her time living in Los Angeles, and she told me two stories. One was that she would stay up late and go to see, in her words, Satchmo. <laughs> you would go, my Bachan would go out and listen to Louis Armstrong live. Oh my God. Did you see that coming when you asked? No, no. Who <laughs> would? So, so incredible. So, so amazing. And then the second story she told, to me, it relates to the resilience that the song calls for. Oh. My Bachan tried to get a job when she was in LA at a Revlon makeup factory. And she was in line with a whole bunch of other women and when she got up to the window, a white woman was taking applications and everyone in front of her was welcomed into the factory until it got to her. And the woman said, there's no more work. And my Bachan protested and said, what, what do you mean? Like somebody just, and then the woman said, there's no work for you here, which we know what that means. We know exactly, know exactly what that means. And as my Bachan got out of line, a stranger, a Mexican-American woman, got out of line too. And my Bachan, always super friendly, and she told me that she told this other young woman, like, why did you get out of line? Like, there's work here. Like, you should go for it. And the woman said, if they don't take you, they're not going to take me. And they together, two women of color, watched the next white woman be welcomed into the factory. And then they went on with their days without a job. So the best part of that story is that my Bachan, when she told me it, there was a long pause because it's obviously, it's a heavy story. Right. And then she says, and that's why I never buy Revlon. That's where you got it from. And so that, I mean, the, the lyric, from. What, what is it? That, that's right. They can't take that away from us. No. Nobody. So this can. is why I love this song. It makes me think of both of them. Right. Let's think of them together. From me, the way your smile just be. The way you sing off key, the way you haunt my dreams. No, no, they can't take that away from me. We may never, never meet again on the bumpy road to love. Still, I'll always, always keep the so much for always just picking the most eloquent things to share with us um i hadn't thought about this song in any context other than romantic and now i have this new way of looking at it and i'm i'm just yeah thank you what did your parents listen to when you were growing up when you and your little brother um were you know uh 
hanging out at the house and uh, you know when you're in your adolescent years I'm sure your parents probably had um, equally as enjoyable sounds um, kind of flowing through the house what did mama and papa listen to we listened to a lot of 50s, 60s, and 70s, which, I mean, makes sense. My parents are baby boomers, so that was their kind of, you know, yeah. childhood music. Word. Um, so, yeah, just a really eclectic, uh, no, no particular um, genre, yeah. um, everything. Um, yeah, you know, just Louie Louie. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> yeah, all the all the things. You know, we're we're farmers, right? So any any song with reference to to produce, you know, uh, <laughs> we heard it through the grapevine. Like that was a big. big, big I wouldn't big. even think of that. You probably are. You probably get a lot of that, quite honestly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, do you remember the first concert you went to? Were you a concert goer at all? Any shows, anything like that? Your first kind of figuring out, okay, I grew up with these sounds, but what is it that I personally think it is that I like? Yeah, you know, we didn't go to a lot of concerts. I'm not, I'm not quite sure why, we just didn't. Yeah. Um, I probably performed more in our Tycho group, but you know, just in, showcases and local cultural festivals then i actually went to concerts but i do remember the first concert that was felt like a really big deal to me yeah was and i'm curious to boya if our paths might have crossed at this era did okay. you go to chinatown jazz festival in of fresno course. of course yeah uh, of course you did yeah i would we went every year oh wow yeah. So we, did. we did a little closing doors sort of thing. Wow. We did. Yeah. So so the the first one that in my child memory, I think I can think of you know, I was like junior high-ish uh -huh. age, um, was the year that Hiroshima played, which is a fusion oh, yeah. <laughs> jazz and uh -huh. Japanese instrumental group uh, based out of I think Los Angeles. And a lot of Sansei, so my dad's generation. Yeah, uh, my mom. So I, you were probably there. We yeah. were probably at the same concert. Yeah. That, was, that was the first time I'd ever seen somebody play taiko and um, the koto, which is the, the flat stringed instrument with jazz. I mean, that just like blew my mind. I bet, yeah, word. Um, you have so many different, um, styles of music that you enjoy i was wondering um how do those styles not necessarily just of music but how do the things that you enjoy how do they inform the work that you do because maybe folks aren't aware of it but you also um, are involved in a lot of organizing a lot of activism um a lot of like community-based sort of um ventures how do how does that all sort of inform one another? I know there's got to be some crossover there as well. Oh, that's such a great question. I haven't thought about it through the lens of, of music. I definitely, in my personal life, turn to particular songs right. to help ground me. Mm -hmm. And especially in the work intergenerationally, that I do think that music can do 
both things. Music can mark a particular historical moment, mm -hmm. and it also can speak across generations yes. as music gets, you know, covered or updated or you know, um, people re-perform songs and they take a whole new meaning on in a different context. And I think that's how we get all of these protest anthems. I think that, um, you know, a Fannie Lou Hamer singing, you know, a particular hymn during a protest then helps inform what other folks kind of derive from that. Because it's not always black and white, like the issues for some folks but I find that the arts help articulate that for folks. And um, I know even in the work that you do, as far as memory keeping, you have a memory keeper project. Um, and there are parts of this, this particular playlist that you created that I can definitely see that would be part of that project also. Um, the legacy, the, the ancestry, um, all those things sort of inform one another and you create all these variations of art. And so that's why I asked that question, just kind of finding out if they both feed um, from one another or it's just how you roll. It looks like it's just how you roll. <laughs> it definitely is a circle of nourishment. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I turn to songs to feed me and songs help us remember. And this, this next song in the playlist um, really represents for me one of the calls that music can have for us to reckon, mm. for us to reckon with our histories. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Well, first, to share what the song is and the, the artist, because before, I mean, I, I know the artist, I'm familiar with the artist. Um, and I'd heard the title of the song, but before you put it on your playlist, I'd never heard the song. So I had to take a nice sit down and listen to it. And that's why I wondered, I don't know if you have any lyrics with you today to share. I'm not sure if you have these lyrics in particular, but they're really good. <laughs> not that they wouldn't be. I mean, thinking about who it is, obviously they'd be good, but I didn't see the connection until I started listening to it. And that sort of informs how people who may not be moved to change things probably um, Things like this, I think, help people um, move in that direction. Maybe they don't know they have an, uh, a bent for activism or change, but when an everyday person makes you feel like you have extraordinary means by which you should you know, go out and do something, sometimes that sparks change. So can we talk a little bit about um, your track three? Absolutely. This song is by Johnny Cash, the one and only, and it's called Man in Black. And I think the title is very mysterious. Like it is. Man, like what? What does that mean? <laughs> so I'm so glad that you'd never heard it before. Sure. I mean, I. I mean, you know, it's Johnny Cash. I'm, I know who he is and whatnot, but of course, I never heard the song. And I thought these lyrics are. I didn't see this coming. So um, maybe some other folks didn't see this coming too, and we can just play a tiny little portion. You wonder why I always dress in black Why you never see bright colors on my back And why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone Well there's a reason for the things that I have on 
wear the black for the poor and the beaten down Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime But is there because he's a victim of the time I wear the black for those who've never read Or listened to the words that Jesus said About the road to happiness through love and charity Why you think he's talking straight to you and me I did not see that coming, lady. I just did it. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> all the things. The man to talk about all the things. Um, how does this tie in to your theme of um, ancestry? Yeah, and I would love to hear more your thoughts, Devoya. I, I am fascinated by this song. For me personally, this song represents an aspiration that I wish for, so I'm, for, for listeners who don't know me, I'm mixed race. So I'm Japanese American, which I've already talked about, and I'm also white. And so this song for me is some of the longing that I wish my white ancestors could have gotten to. So when I listen to this song, I hear Johnny Cash calling for a reckoning of the way in which power has structured and destroyed some people's lives. Go ahead, girl. Right? Right? I mean, yes. that, that, that's how I interpret yes. it. I mean, like, black, like, we, th we think of the color of clothing black mm -hmm. for funerals, for mm -hmm. mourning, for grief. Mm -hmm. And he's saying there ought to be a person wearing black to call forth the, the people who we've imprisoned. Yes, a reckoning, the man said. I'm like, what? It makes you want to listen. It really is storytelling in such a prolific way. Like, even if you don't care for country music, as you, for, you, uh, you forget instantly as soon as you press play because the storytelling is so perfect. And unfortunately, it's still timely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I was just listening to the song with my wife who says hi, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she was like, same thing, like, oh my gosh this this is it's upsetting how relevant it yeah. still is yeah and i, I really got to give it up to i i because i love black it never occurred to me that he only ever wore black it just never clicked so then when you hear this and then you hear the story you're like it all starts to come together and you see like this you know you, you know the the picture show of showing like every time you've seen this man he literally always is in black and representing you know everything he just said in this and when he said a reckoning oh i was he had me at a he had me at that already good looking out look at you look at you well this this is the genius of artists right yeah, like it, it really is uh yeah it gives me chills and in, in a good way the the, the calling forth of the promises we have yet to make real. Right, right. And in the name of so many things, obviously, um, it's always in the name of something else, but it's within us to forego all of that and try and make these things, you know, manifest. So go ahead, Johnny Cash. Um, how do you stay sucker free, friends? How, do, how does Nikiko stay sucker free on a regular basis? 
for the record, for the listeners, I've never seen you. I don't think I've ever seen you upset. Um, I, <laughs> I do. You I do get nobody it. out. Um, and I know those are real things. I know that we all have those moments. Um, so in my mind, I think you just in general are sucker free. But it's, there's got to be like a, a you know a little trick there somewhere. How do you do this? How, well, how have I never seen you tell somebody what's up and keep it moving? Well, I I will totally put myself in the context of my birth. I just heard someone describe. So I'm a Scorpio, and apparently oh. Scorpios are a little more. <laughs> yes. Apparently, we're a little secretive, um, which is not at all on purpose, but uh, I think that maybe. <laughs> so, okay. so I definitely, um, I mean, to stay sucker free, I try to surround myself with chosen family, people right. like you, who keep me grounded, keep me motivated. And um, I don't always succeed. I'm very, very hard on myself internally. Um, but I, I try, I try, I do try to, I try to project outward the world I want to see and how I want to see myself in it. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe hopefully that, that helps. You helps. do a good job of it. You, you really do a good job of it. And you don't, um, I will say this, what you see is exactly what you get, right? Sometimes there's a lot of pretense with folks, you know? I'm this way at work, I'm this way at home, I'm this way when we out somewhere. I love that you are Nikiko all the time. And it's so comforting um, to have those sorts of relationships where you can, um, where you don't have to wonder how you gotta be with this person, you could just be. And you allow that. And so I think that helps keep you sucker free too. You allow folks to just be. There's no additional, additional work needed. Um, in, in that regard, so. Um, would you mind? Oh, of course. You're so kind. I'm, I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> telling the truth. Um, how have you had time to reflect? Um, you're a farmer, so I would imagine that um, the last 14, 18 months, you're isolated on a regular basis. And, and so a lot of the things, not, I don't mean it in a, not isolate, well, I don't know. I'll let you. Yeah, I know, you hear. can use that word. Yeah, sure. Um, but I would imagine some of the things that others had to deal with during the pandemic um, did seep into your life as well, because being a farmer, I'm sure that affected um, how you um, harvest or how you um, handle workers or, or you know process, all those different things. Um, how have you had time to reflect on that? And and if so, um, what are some of the the things that are coming up for you? Yes, yes, and yes to all of it. Yes, you know, living rurally. I, I was just thinking today as I was driving home. My office is in my parents' house in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> oh, you. I like it. <laughs> and I, I mean, literally, it's like a two minute drive from that end of the farm to where our house is. And I was thinking like, oh, I didn't leave the farm today. This is a regular, uh, like I, I spend many, many days 
without leaving the farm because our work is here. And so there's a way in which some of my life, our life during the pandemic wasn't as abruptly disrupted as folks who, you know, travel for, you know, routinely work in other spaces. So that didn't change as much, mm-hmm. but, but the stress, the disruption, the worry was, I'm sure shared, you know, amongst all of us. I know we've had, you and I have had lots of conversations about okay. the time. And I will say the, the single thing that has helped me process the most in terms of an activity came from an artist, uh, an artist in Baltimore did a project with her neighborhood. She invited neighbors to make dioramas and you know how much I love dioramas. Yes. Yes. Of, of lost and found boxes. So things that they had lost during the pandemic and Uh things that they had found. And so that I heard that on the radio and that framing was just so, so generative, so blossoming for me. So we, as a family, we, we did this exercise at the new year. New Year's is a really big time of reflection for our family. And that exercise was so helpful to be able to name the things that we lost, the people, um, the, the sense of safety, so many things, and, but also the things that we found. So that, that has been really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I need to um, ask you a little bit more about that artist. You know, I'm always um, intrigued by people who turn, you know, difficult situations into art and you're still living in it. You're still dealing with it, but you have a healthy outlet for that. And that really sounds like something I would, I would, wouldn't mind trying. Um, I have two uh, uh, dioramas in my home created by you and they just make me feel good. And who's making dioramas in 2021, right? That's like so dope. And I've always wanted to make them. And I just want you to know that I recently um, found the perfect box. Yes. <laughs> Cause you know how I roll. It's gotta, it can't just be any old. And I got, you know, some little, little some tiny things and i think that's going to be my pro my next project is my, try my hand at my own diorama because i've actually never made one that i thought looked good but you know i got some tips now and now you just told me about an artist who did it for a community a neighborhood and i like that that's that's great i love it i love it the, the- I'm so excited and anything Savoya, I'm like all for dioramas. The, the thing that I love about dioramas. Tell me. Is that it invites us into world making. We get to I make. I never even thought of that. Yes. You we make your own tiny little world. Yes. Yes. And how revolutionary to give ourselves permission. Girl, I've never even thought about that. I just really like the idea of creating smaller versions of things <laughs> and um you know that i get to put the elements in the back the way that i want them oh no i want the cloud like even just all the things that way and i couldn't think of how to do it and i love that one that you gave me 
I wouldn't have thought of this, the toothpicks to make a, um, a bumblebee, like so that they can spin around um, or just how to open the flap. There's all these different ways I hadn't thought of. And you can ask, I know this, whole, this is not about me, but I, I will say this. Um, there's a little crew of us that like small little miniatures. I love it. I think we could do a diorama class together. I'm just putting the, I'm just saying. I think I'm here for it. Is vaccinated too. You know two of them. I'm just going to say it. Um, I love it. Tiny little dioramas. Okay. That's what's up. Our fourth track today um, on your connections to the ancestors is We Are the Children. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about this, how you found it, and why you chose to share it with us today. I love this song so much. This song is by, uh, it's from the album, A Grain of Sand. Music for the Struggle by Asians in America by a trio of Asian American artists who sang and created music in the 60s and 70s um, called Yellow Pearl, which is a play on the very racist uh, terminology of yellow peril, right? And reclaiming that saying, no, we as Asians, we're yellow pearls full of beauty and value. And so this album, A Grain of Sand, I discovered this, this is what a gift when we get to study, when we get to study the histories of our people. I discovered this at UC Berkeley as I was a student, you know, the Ethnic Studies Library is incredible. And I had no idea that there were Japanese American, Asian American protest song writers during the 60s and 70s. This whole album is just amazing. It's so amazing. And this particular song, We Are The Children, is for me such a beautiful call to solidarity between people of color, mm. which is why I love it as a call from my ancestors to not only be worried about me, but be worried about all of us. And so, yes, I did print out lyrics to this song. Um, I don't know if you want to play it first. I, I just love it. Okay, let's play it first and then um, have some lyrics from you. And I really like the idea of you explaining how you came about it. I would not have guessed it was only at, in college that you were introduced to this, but it makes so much sense because at the time, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of vinyl being printed. Um, and this is not something that you could just, you know, walk into, um, you know, some random record store and probably find. It'd probably be a specialty item. So, um, yes, thank you so much. Let's get to it. We are the children. We are the children of the migrant worker. We are the offspring of the concentration camp. Sons and daughters of the railroad builder Leave their stamp on America We are the children of the Chinese waiter Born and raised in the laundry room We are the offspring of the Japanese gardener Leave their stamp on America 
that is such an anthem. We got the right to choose. We got the right to choose. It's such a good song. Oh. And you know, when I first heard it, I'm embarrassed to say this. I thought that was Joan Baez. Her voice a little bit has that, but it might just be that era. It's probably like how a lot of things are for us now. Oh, you sound, you know, anyone that's got a higher range sounds like this person or blah, blah, blah. But I love that there's an entire piece of work and it's Asian folk songs by Asian folks. Yes, <laughs> yes. And the voice you were speaking of, Nobuko Miyamoto, she's still an artist creating in Los Angeles. She just came to our farm to adopt a tree. She's, yes, she's incredible. Um, Chris Kondo Ijima unfortunately passed away, but became a lawyer and a professor in Hawaii. Um, and I know I know less about Charlie Chin, the third artist, but together their trio. I mean, yes, absolutely, you can hear resonances across with Joan Baez. I mean, the the guitar. You can kind of like imagine, a, you know, a little Pete Seeger, right? Like. Yes, because um, that's the era. That, that, that's the, the era. The era of right. protest song. Yeah. Would you mind reading some lyrics for us? Is that something we might be able to? Absolutely. So I'll I'll just I'll read like three stanzas, and maybe we can talk about like what you gather from them, and I can share what they mean to me. So that first stanza, whenever I hear it, automatic goosebumps. The first stanza is, we are the children of the migrant worker. We are the offspring of the concentration camp, sons and daughters of the railroad builder who leave their stamp on America. So for me, that set of lyrics, it really beautifully brings and threads together stories of different immigrant groups working people, working class people. And I, I always think about the ways in which so many of our people's stories get written out of history. And so for them to name these connections and to name who we come from, it's really restorative for me. It's, it's very healing to hear that. And it sounds very universal if you live in a place like the Central Valley. Like even if you aren't one of the groups, you feel that, you recognize it, you understand that on a deeper level. And so I would imagine for folks who don't feel seen mm -hmm. to have a piece of work that not only recognize it, but says, we're the, I'm, I'm you also, we are all of this. And we're not othered in this moment. We are all together in celebration. We are those children collectively. So I, I think that's, that's what I'm getting from that piece of work. Also. Absolutely. And I think that is echoed in a later stanza. Um, they sing so beautifully, we are the cousins of the freedom fighter, brothers and sisters all around the world. We are a part of the third world people who will leave their stamp on America, who will leave their stamp on America. So I think Devoy, exactly what yes. you articulated is yes. what they're trying to sing into being. Mm -hmm. 
solidarity. And for me, the, the chorus, sing a song for ourselves. Yes. What have we got to lose? That's all about writing our own stories. Yeah. We've really got the is. right to choose. To me, that's about choosing the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. Choosing the ones that are important. And the stories that are told to us also, or that we just hear and just decide it's true. Um, it's why you and I resonate so much about narratives of, of women, especially, that we get to have the last say in all of those, those conversations. It's not up to other. I, I read the paper, I, I'm on social media. That's fine that that's how y'all feel. But I'm, let me tell you how we, how, what we know. And so that's why I also think that it's important. And it just reminds me, I mean, it just reminds me of the power of art and healing. It really mm. does. Um, on so many levels, not everyone has access to the things that make, that might change how they feel. You know, in the mm -hmm. beginning, I asked you how you felt today. We're both familiar with the feelings will, and we can think about that. Some people aren't asked that question. Some yeah. people don't know how to articulate that, but I think that good art allows you to do that. It um, it helps you formulate answers to questions people may not have asked you, or you might not have asked yourself. And so that's why I, I, I think that's why I like to pare this down to a nice, easy chunk to dissect, because if I'm really interested in it, I'm going to go and look for some more of those nuggets. And you've just, you know, really provided um, a, a nice little toolkit for somebody that's thinking about, you know what, I'd like to see what are some things in music that maybe make me feel like I'm closer to my ancestors, right? That somebody else hasn't curated, I can curate it myself. Cause that's how we roll. We like to, the things that make us the most comfortable, we like to do that on our own. Not that I'm saying anybody else can't do it. Of course they can, um, but we're best suited for that, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, oh my gosh, boy, I'm just making the connection right now. The lyric, sing a song for ourselves. That's what this, your beautiful invitation is for us to, come up with oh the songs for God. ourselves it is it is and it is why i like to ask I, I do like to see like what what were your what did your family listen to did that help shape what you like now and if it didn't what are those pivotal times in your life that you instantly thought oh this is for me i just chose this it's okay that you know that we've all enjoyed this thus far but right now i'm choosing this for myself we do that in so many different areas of our lives, but I do think doing that in the arts especially is powerful because it inspires you to do that for yourself in a grander way. It doesn't have to be, you know, like anyone else has done it. Do it the Nikiko way, do it the Nicola way, do it the Devoya way. It's all those things. So thank you so much. I like this theme. I got to tell you, I think we're going to have to do something extra with it. Um, let me ask you this. Do yeah. you, what do you listen to music on? Um, is it primarily digital? Do you have a record player? Do you have, um, um, do you listen on Spotify? Are you on YouTube music? What are the mediums? How do you receive music? I primarily listen on my phone or my laptop. So it's primarily digital. 
Um, or radio. I, I listen radio. to radio. Yeah. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. I, my parents have a record player. I do not have them in my house, but they have one. They and do. I believe Nicola still has a cassette player because what? she, oh, she oh, has oh, a bunch talking. of like cassettes that she won't give up, which she shouldn't, because they, you know, they mark an era of her musical <laughs> career and as a listener. <laughs> oh, I got some singles even, girl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They're in storage, but I can't. I mean, I remember the moment I purchased Main Source, you know, Breaking Adams. Yeah, it was on cassette. I wish I'd been smart enough to think I should get it on vinyl, but I have it on vinyl now because I'm a grown up and you can do that, you know. Um, but yes, I, I, I love all that. And so I think we're going to work on. Yeah, we're going to work on ways in which we can do music and art together. I, think I love this, it. I think this is a good um, area for us. Devoya, yes. do you do you mind if I ask you a question? No, about, bring it. Yeah, so, so I, one of the gifts of the many gifts of this podcast, of listening to this podcast for me has been hearing you talk about the way you listen to music. And particularly the episode you and Sarith were talking about the experience of listening to a whole album. Mm -hmm. And I must admit, I have not been a whole album. I haven't listened to very many albums from- A lot of people don't. You know, right, 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 right. So my question, I have so many questions. One is, what has listening to music in that way through the whole album, how has that informed how you listen in life? Oh, that's a great question. That is a great question. I love this. Um, I think it helps me to want to get a full picture of things. I know that we often like smaller, bite-sized pieces of folks, like a little here. I'm guilty of that too. I really am. But if something or someone or some place feels like it deserves a little bit more, I like to engulf it like I do, you know, a full album and experience it. And even in those corny ways, like, you know, maybe this is something that seems touristy and I'm in a different city. That's what that city's known for, right? It might be touristy to you, but I don't know about this. This is what they, this is what's on the brochure. This is what they say on the little sign when you go through the town. Let me give it, give it to me all. Your little quirky harvest fest. Yeah, I'm about that life. <laughs> but I'm also about the bigger things too. For the people that live here. For the people that descended from here. Mm. What are some of the things y'all are known for besides this particular harvest festival, right? Um, I don't do that to everything, but if I think that there's something deeper there, I want to listen to side A and side B, and I don't want to mix it up too much because I might get the wrong impression. Let's do it like it's supposed to be done. And then I can go and dissect it on my own later and tell you these different sections didn't really meet me where I am, but I, I respect that they're there for others, you know? Um, yeah, I just, and even when Sarita and I talk, like they're so, I barely learned how to shuffle Nikiko, I was never, I would never, I didn't even think about shuffle until one time my friend Deanna was here 
and this was when it was just CDs. There weren't, you know, we weren't doing all this digital stuff just yet. Um, and oh, we were painting. We were painting a room because she has beautiful handwriting, and I wanted something written. Um, and she said, and we have very similar tastes. When I listened at that time in my life, I listened to everything that way in sequence. So it all had to be top tier. I couldn't be having some raggedy something on. <laughs> um, and she said, hey, can you hit shuffle so we can hear all of the various things you got? Because you got a lot of music I never heard of. And I'm like, what do you mean hit shuffle? That don't work for me. I like to know what's coming up. And she goes, oh, I could see that about you. And that sat with me for so long. Like, why do you have to know everything that's coming up, D? Like, for me, it really was letting go by the first time I ever hit shuffle. Wow. Player. And now I do it on all the digital platforms. Not all the time, but enough to where I'm comfortable. And it makes me feel like I'm like I'm, you know, walking on the wild side, like, oh, okay, I don't know what's coming up. <laughs> no, that's not, that ain't it. That ain't that serious. But I just don't want any stuff I don't want coming to me when it's involving music. I don't want to be enjoying, you know, some nice whatever, and then something horrid come in. I will remember that all day and be mad. <laughs> so I try to um, limit my exposure to whackness. Um, by curating all the things that I want, but I do, I have to give it up to her for teaching me. Sometimes you just got to let that shit roll. And if it's, and this is why she, this is how she got me. She's like, well, you only listen to stuff you like. Ain't nothing else gonna come on. It's just gonna be, but did I want that in that moment? You know, I was super all controlly. And now I'm like, you know what? I can listen to some rock steady and then some jazz and then some funk. I can do that, that's okay. Is it my favorite thing? No, but I know how to do it now. <laughs> I love this. I love so this. a long answer. I'm so sorry. No, I love this. I'm hearing metaphors for different ways of being, like the, the value of context. Yeah. The value. Settling in to listen, not, in. not just you, the sound bite. No, it's never background for me. I know it is for a lot of people, but I just never developed that. It just, I've never just wanted, even in the background. Yeah, I put stuff on for the background, but even that has to be a particular, it can't be all, look, calm down. I don't need all them horns right now. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it just, it depends on my mood. And so, I like to make sure everything's a particular way. And I'm so glad I have friends that are brave enough because people sometimes don't want to tell you things that they don't think that you will receive well. But I, I hope that I, I, I hope that people understand if we're close enough that you in my home, say what you need to say. Even if it's something you think, oh, she on trip. You in my home, how hard can I trip? I love you. If you're here, I love you. So tell me I what I'm saying you think I'm doing and I will consider it. I'll, I can't tell you yes or no for sure, but I'll consider it. 
Okay, Deboya, if I ever have to tell you something, you know, a little prickly, I'm going to start by saying, I got to go on shuffle. Yes, do it, do it. I will, I just respect that so much. I mean, look, all these years later, I remember it. She taught me how to like release a little bit control over myself, not other people. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm controlling over others, but I will control this narrative just because it's the only thing I know how to do. I've always been this way. I think that's beautiful. I, I would, my, my words for you would be, I mean, you are so intentional. You're so intentional well, you. about how you set up your energy, your days, your spaces. I try, I really do. I know it's not everybody's bag, but girl, let me tell you, I snuck into, there's two entrances into work. Uh-huh. I love all my coworkers. There's not a coworker in there I dislike. But at 8 a.m., I don't want to talk to nobody, right? I smile. I feel like that's sufficient. We've talked about this many times, y'all. Just let me go in my office and after an hour or so, I will be, I, it's going to be good. Do you know I've been trying, I've been sneaking into work like a cat burglar <laughs> because there's this one beautiful woman who will always say, good morning, Deboya. Oh my God, it's so much. It's so much. And even in that, I'm like, you can't control everything, D. You over here acting like a cat burglar at eight in the morning, that's not working. Look, she will come and open the door no matter what door you go in. Some things you can't curate. You have mm. to go with the flow, but be happy about the things that you can because they balance that shit out at the end of the day. <laughs> But yeah, me sneaking at eight o'clock is so not useful because I'm still gonna get a big hug and I've been iffy about those um, as, you know, a reformed hugaholic. Mm -hmm. All those things, you know. So, I'm going on tangents, I'm sorry. No, I love it. You're speaking to, <laughs> you know, you're. this is totally relevant. You're speaking to the balance, you know, between the intentional curated, you know, there, there's a, there, there's power in that. And then the surprise, the wild, the, yeah. uh, you know, the yeah. intervention. Yeah. It's why I can't be spontaneous. I, that's one thing I don't, it's not like I want to be, but I wouldn't mind having a little bit of that spontaneity, like just a tiny bit of it. And I, I, because I always think I'm putting someone out. If I, if I, encourage spontaneity or if i engage in it i'm like mm. i don't know it's a weird, it's a weird you, you and me yeah we, we're very similar Spon spontaneous for me is like when dinner's made and instead we decide to get takeout Ooh, that's yeah. like yeah. you know that, Let, that's big. yeah i'm like mm, i don't know i made all this <laughs> all right i'll try it let's do it. exactly and then i feel proud of myself for that thing yeah I love it. Your last track um, is a disco song. You got a Japanese disco song on your five song playlist um, on Ancestry. And when it hit, I was like, where'd she find this? The visuals, the vibe, all of it. You know, I'm still in it for one of my playlists. I'm just going to tell you that up front. Um, Absolutely. How did you find Minyo Crusaders? This song came to me in multiple ways so you know when like a song finds you 
Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So a friend of mine, Mai Wen, who is an organic grain grower, she found, I don't even know how she found the song. And she just like texted me. This is probably a year ago. It's like, you need to check out the song. Like, okay. It's like, wow, this is cool. This is cool. And then another friend of mine, Patricia Wakita, who's originally. I love from Patricia. Fresno. Yeah. Wait a second. Did you say she was originally from Fresno? Yeah. Huh? Heck yeah. Yeah. How did I not know that? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, she grew up. Th this shirt was made by her, my Yonsei Power shirt. She's a woodblock print artist. I editor, have one of her. She made me a little print. I did not know she was. How did I not know that part? Yeah, she grew up here, born and raised. Okay. Now she's in Oakland. Yeah. But okay. see, she comes back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're, we're going to do more connecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she also sent me this song. She's also Yonsei, and she's been part of so much of Yonsei Memory Project's work in memory uh -huh. keeping. She's like incredible artist and dear friend. So this song came to me. And I was like, hey, you need to listen. So yeah. I didn't connect. It took the two of them for me to connect what was happening in this song. Got it. So from, from, my, from my music landscape, so this song, Tankobushi, is a very old song. And it is one of the songs that just about every Japanese American person who's ever gone to Obonodori knows how to dance this song. From, you know, Washington down to Southern California, everybody knows this song. Okay. So this is the, the only, the, the only thing I knew about it was the, the dance moves are about coal mining. This song comes from a particular region in Japan. So it's, it's a regional folk song. Okay. That, you know, is capturing the work and the movement of coal miners. So that's why the first movement is you, you dig, you, you mimic a shovel, you throw it over your shoulder, then you sweat, then you push the coal cart, and then you say you're done, and you clap, and then you start again. Yeah, this, I love this song. So this group, Minyo Crusaders, I did not know that Minyo is the name for the style of music, which I think are like Japanese folk work songs. Oh, okay. And apparently in Japan, these songs are being forgotten. Mm. So this group is trying to keep them alive <laughs> by taking the old songs, same lyrics, uh -huh. same melody, but reinterpreting them to this amazing fusion. I mean, I don't usually like that word, but this really is like, <laughs> and I love it. Awesome. We're going to hear um, Minyo Crusaders.
That song swings, girl, and the video is dope too. Isn't it so great? I saw the shoveling after you said it. I saw the shoveling. <laughs> yes. Exactly, and it's so. This version is so playful. It is. Yeah, I just bone blocks on the boxing ring. I mean, all the things. The visuals, y'all are gonna love the visuals. You should really, um, with this week's playlist, I'll go ahead and. The, the versions that Nikiko chose are particular to this playlist. So I'm just gonna share this playlist on our YouTube page so people get the full breadth of what you're talking about and the visuals too. Thank you so much. Thank of course. Thank you. And, and so just a fun visual note on that song. So what you are seeing as a boxing rink that's so, the, that's so fascinating. I, I love, no, so it's, it's called a Yagura. It is the stage that's constructed for Obonodori where the lead dancers dance. Wow. I, lo I, lo I love the... I wow. Love no, that's not what I... I really thought it was a boxing ring. No, I wow. could totally see that. Yeah, yeah. See? All these... Um, everything is about perspective. And when we get to have these, um, you know, these conversations about art in, in a deeper way, we get all these different variations. And I'm so here for that. So here for that. So, oh, and if there's it. one moment of that song that we have to share, and I okay. teach you, because when we're dancing, there's this one phrase that everybody yells out. Okay. So while while the song is going, and that's sano yoi yoi. Say it again. Sano yoi yoi. Sano yoi yoi. Yep. Sano yoi yoi. And that means. So I, again, as a non-Japanese speaker, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, I've understood it in like a whole bunch of different contexts. Um, some translations are like heave ho, like you know, like oh heave ho, yeah, yeah. But then I've also heard it translated like good, good, like a like kind of like a hooray almost. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. So this so, particular video, I'm feeling like yay with. The, the vibe's all right for that. I, I'm just going to go with it. That's Absolutely. What, that's what I'm going with. So, sano yoi yoi. And then that's the artist part. You know, we've talked about the farmer. We've talked about memory keeping. Um, this part is artistry. We've talked about friendship. Um, we didn't really talk about baking, but that's okay. Um, I, I think that comes in with the food. And I yep. think we've talked about nourishment in, in various ways. So abstractly, maybe we've gotten there. Um, what do you think putting this together has given you? Putting this five song playlist together for this particular uh, connections to ancestors, once you had it compiled and what, how, what were some of the feelings that came up for you? I love this exercise. I wanna, I wanna facilitate this with other people to give them time, you know, a, a certain amount of time to make yeah. a five-song ancestor playlist. Yeah, I, I just, I absolutely love it. It's on the, on, on, in a one way, it's like a snapshot of how I feel now, mm -hmm. and I love that, you know, a year from now, five years from now, I may if I'm give myself or invited to do the same thing over the song list, maybe completely different. Oh, it will be. I guarantee it will be. Absolutely. So yes. I, I, I just, I love that. And I, I, I think the musical invitation to me, it feels playful in a way 
that sometimes, sometimes I think memory keeping work, you know, any type of work in our families, in our communities, where we're asked to carry on stories of people who've come before, sometimes that comes with a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we get wrong? Are we able to do that? Sometimes the stories are really heavy and we need to, we have to build up the muscle, you know, the emotional muscle to be able to hold those spaces. And there's something about the playlist that releases some of that. Yeah. Like it's like a beautiful exhale and it can invite in all kinds of movement along with the sounds. Right. So I'm so grateful to Devoya for this framing, for this opportunity to, to get closer to ancestors. You just articulated that so well. I've had so many ideas on how to expand this and you know make it more accessible, especially for folks that are apprehensive because you'd be surprised at the amount of folks who love music and who are very close to me, but they're apprehensive about that. And so I know there's some of that, that's what you just expressed, there's some of that in there. Um, But I also know that music is healing. I know that music therapy is a real thing. I know that we decompress when we listen to things that are familiar. I know that we breathe deeply um, when we're excited and sometimes when we're anxious, but that breath, that breath is so important and that you recognize it. And so there are so many different elements to it. Um, if you ever facilitate something like this as a workshop, I'd love to partner um, with you. Please. Um, yes. Yes. And I don't have to. I just I would just love to participate um, in that way as well. And I just oh, think let's so do much. it together. Let's yeah. do it together. OK, yes. I'm so I'm so about that. And I just want, you know, it's, it's been a rough time. I want folks to feel better, but I also want us to get closer in the ways that are comfortable for us. And if sharing about difficult things is not something that you're into at this moment, I am 100% behind that. Let's talk about things that aren't quite as difficult and let's do it through the lens of music. Um, and, th- and that's sort of what we're trying to do here. Both Jason and myself are really, um, folks that really just love music and love people. And so this is the easiest medium we could figure out in order to bring those two things together. So I'm so happy you could join us this evening, friend. Thank you so much, Devoya. This is just so awesome. I love it. I'm going to be dancing all the rest of the day. Good, good. This this is exactly what I want to hear. Um, I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. It may have been my fault. I don't know what's wrong with my mic, but I'm going to- Don't worry. and what we'll do is share this with the world on Sunday. And then you and I will connect soon to talk about um, projects that we'd like to do. But my last um, question for you before we leave is, you are currently a fellow, you're, you currently have a fellowship with the Yerba, uh, Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that project and um, how people can be supportive of the work that you're doing um, outside of your daily activities and, um, and and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you so much for reminding me to talk about this, Devoya. Yes, I'm I'm not I'm not super great at marketing. This is something you are so good at, and and I'm not. So thank you for reminding me. I am so honored to be one of ten artists in a cohort that are collaborating, sharing ideas. We've spent the whole year meeting weekly to share 
ideas, practices, imaginations, and our invitation is to create something of we as a cohort represent so many different areas of creation, dance, architecture, installation, visual art, poetry, uh, photography, technology. It's, it's incredible. And we are invited to create something at the intersection of racial equity and climate justice. Wow. So we have entered this through a lot of different portals. And one of them that has been really resonant has been this question that came up from us as a collective of what are our prayers for 500 years in the future? And so we right now are in an idea generation phase and we're starting to put together, put some of our ideas in motion and we will be sharing publicly at YBCA in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then also I, after especially some of our conversations, I want to make sure that some of the programming is also virtual so that I can connect, we can connect across geography. Right. So yeah, there's much more to be to be said and shared in the coming months. The fellowship goes through June of next year of 2022. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you can check out our sharings. We're gonna start sharing things in some of the YBCA channels, it, on their Instagram, um, on their webpage. They're launching a podcast, which we're gonna oh, be- Oh, wow. Yeah, so lots of different ways of plugging in. Oh, I'm so glad, I'm so glad. And I'm glad that you shared this information with us so that we can, um, try and be supportive and share that information with others as well. And again, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day and um, just joining us. I've, I just, I really appreciate you. And I, I think, um, yeah, I think you should come back again um, with Nicola or she can come back again. So yes. we can figure this out. And um, the more dope people we have sharing what makes them feel good and the various ways, I think the better it is for all of us. Community Care 101. <laughs> you are a master of that. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Devoya. Thank you so much. And again, um, this has been your Sunday episode of Sucker Free Sunday. Got five on it. And we hope you join us every Sunday. We release a podcast at noon. And we want you to share that with your folks um, via all the channels. And we hope that you uh, enjoy this and follow us and like us and all that other good stuff. Thank you so much for being with us today, Nikiko. Thank you, Tavoya.